We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dame or NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Thursday night after the Wolves beat the San Antonio Spurs by six. Final score was Wolves 127, Spurs 121. Obviously, the story of this game was Anthony Edwards. Uh, if you missed this one, you missed Ant's most dominant performance of the season for sure. Most dominant performance of his career. It was... It was 49 points, 10 of 14 shooting from two-point range, and 6 of 14 shooting from deep. And that 6 of 14 from deep was was just due to some unsuccessful gunning for 50 late in the game. Uh, yeah, Ant was just dominant. Also added eight rebounds and six assists in the game. Uh, you, you could tell right away in the first quarter of this one that this was the direction Ant was trending in this game. There was There was just nothing passive about his 15-point first quarter. And that kind of led you to believe there was there was a lot more to come in this one. I, the thing to focus on, and, and you know this is very obvious, is that there was more to come, right? He was consistent through all four quarters. 15 points in the first, five in the second while he rested, 12 in the third, and closed it out with 17 in the fourth quarter. And that doesn't happen often for Ant, you know, end-to-end domination of a game. We see it all the time, his explosive you know, 15, 20 point quarters, but those are often surrounded by two or three muted sort of quarters in the same game. His, his scoring bursts are, are streaky. Finch refers to him right as a, as a home run hitter. And I think that's, that's been the perfect analogy for Ant's game this season. Explosive, right? But, but probably a handful of strikeouts in tonight's game that, that analogy definitely doesn't work or if it works, works too well because Ant hit like four home runs in this game and tonight the Wolves needed all of that to win and to do it without D'Angelo Russell playing in the game you know Ant had to sort of break out of this slump he's been in that's how Carl Anthony Towns put it after tonight's game Carl was it good to see Ant get going tonight oh, like that it was amazing I, I'm so happy I, I couldn't be more happy for him uh this is this is just more than a win man he had a night that's unforgettable amazing game um, you know, we just talked about it walking in, but the same, the same energy he gave me when I had 39 instead of 40, he was like, you should have got 40 cat. Well, you should have got 50 while he was at it too. So, uh, all jokes aside, I'm just so proud of him. He, 
you know, he's been struggling recently, but he just kept working. He kept working, kept grinding, kept putting the work in, in the gym, kept believing in himself. Came out and he played an amazing game and uh, really is the reason we won. So, I mean, that's you got to give him his flowers. You got to give him his credit for all the, the things, you know, and the chatter that's been around him. He, he went out there and got the job done in the biggest game we needed him. Maybe not 49, but you just need that aggression and that yeah. that effectiveness in whether playing playoffs, whatever you guys are doing. Just please make sure y'all write that. Yeah, 49, 6, and 8. It wasn't just like points only. You know, his man went out there and had a complete game. He really got the job done, played great defense. Um, I mean, he was a whole package tonight. He he, he did everything uh, Wolves fans have know he could do, and he did it at an all-time high tonight. And then he's only getting better. So same way I told him in the locker room, don't worry about not getting 50 because right now you look like you'll get 70 one day. When we get up to individual scoring numbers like 50, 60, or 70, as Kat said there, the the kind of through line of what makes those massive performances happen when they do happen around the league is is the frequency in which the player gets to the free throw line. You know, you look at Kat's 60-point night, and he had a season high of free throw attempts in that game. And Ant also had a career high tonight in free throw attempts with 14. You know, when you're getting the line that much, that's because the opponent has run out of ways to stop you organically. If they can't guard you, they foul. That kind of goes back to the consistency thing with Ant, right? Go at them for four quarters, and they'll run out of energy to draw up answers for you, and they'll start fouling. That's also not typically how it goes for Ant. He's he's not a high-volume free-throw shooter. He only gets fouled when shooting a 9.4% of his shot attempts this season. And that's that's like hardly over league average. You know, you, you kind of pull up the list of guys at that free throw late free throw rate that 9.4%. The names you see around there are Eric Gordon, Dylan Brooks, Terrence Ross, Mikhail Bridges. Like those guys are shooters first, attackers second. And right now, while those guys maybe don't seem like the same type of player, overall this season, that's also what Anthony Edwards has been. He he might have the physical ability to get to the rim and draw fouls more often, but he more frequently pursues those jumpers, those pull-ups, which obviously aren't going to get you to the line as much. There's a whole additional level Ant can get to as a scorer simply by getting the line more. I mean, Ant gets fouled, again, on 9.4% of his shot attempts, where guys like Harden and Giannis, they get to the line nearly 25% of their shot attempts. Now, I don't know if Ant will ever get to those tip-top of the league free throw rates, but what about like a Jimmy Butler level? You know, can Ant get to the line as much as Jimmy does? Well, if the answer to that is yes, then that means Ant will have doubled his free throw late rate. Butler draws fouls on 20% of his shot attempts, twice as often, more than twice as often as Ant currently does. But at the same time, I think that's, you know, over a few years, I, I think a Butler level of free throw drawing is a somewhat realistic goal for Ant. if He's consistently you know, attacking the basket, looking for that contact. And the impact of that happening, I mean, it would be immense. I mean, think about how big of a difference it would be if Ant got to the free throw line on 20% of his shot attempts rather than 10%. I mean, Ant has shot over 1,200 shots this year. So getting fouled on, you know, just less than 10% of those means only about 120 times he's gone to the line this year. Well, Think about doubling that, that would be 120 more times getting in the free throw line for Ant. That'd be, you know, close to 250 more free throws a season for Ant if he got to the line as much as Jimmy does. 
And being a good free throw shooter like Ant is, 78%, I mean, 250 more free throw attempts, that's 200 more points a season. That's an extra two and a half points per game. That means even if you keep everything else the same, which won't, everything else will grow too. But just if you keep everything else the same, Ant goes from, you know, a 21.1 points per night as he as he's been this season to up to nearly, you know, 24. I asked Ant after tonight's game if he feels that foul draw that foul drawing portion of the game is what can take him to another level. Here's Ant. Ant, it was also a season high of free throw attempts for you. In games when you're up there, like around, you know, 10 free throws or so in a game, how, how does that kind of like change the the flow of the game for you? Our ref showing me a little love tonight. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about him. No, I'm just playing, but um you I feel mean, like that's like another level, level for your yeah, game. I mean, if I'm if I could shoot 10 to 10 to 14 free throws a game, then who knows like how many points I can average a night, man. And can you kind of just walk me through the improvement of your three-point shot? I think the last year was like 32 or 33, but your three-point shot, you seem to shoot it with just so much confidence. What's gone into just making it such a, a deadly weapon in your in your toolkit? I think my strength coach, Jabbar, um, like he he has uh, improved my strength a lot. So like last year, it was a lot of legs. Now it's just like I feel like I'm stronger. So it's legs and more upper body. So it's it feels a lot easier now. That added upper body strength Ant has put on is also something that, that Kat brought up when he was speaking tonight. Kat actually said what impresses him most about Ant is his ability to use his physicality at such a young age. Saying that's something, you know, it, it takes guys a while to get to. I think Kat knows about that from experience. Kat has progressively become a more and more physically imposing player over the course of his career. When Kat was 20, he got to the free throw line on 11% of his shot attempts. This season, he's getting the line on 16.2% of his shot attempts. Now, that's not the be-all, end-all of physicality, but it's a good example of growing physicality and growing utility of that physicality. I mean, that's going to happen with Ant, too. You can see it. I, I talked a lot at the beginning of the season about how you could tell that Ant had gotten taller over the course of the summer, which sort of inherently stretched him out a bit. But what we've seen over the course of the season is that he's added muscle to that frame. I mean, up close and in person, Ant is very big. He's listed at 6'4", 225, and I would say both of those numbers are low. He's at least an inch taller than that. And he's actually said during an interview this year that he's at 230. And that's how big he is at 20 years old. You know, I'm very interested to see what that looks like and how he's able to use that size when he's 25 years old. It's, it's definitely going to be a dominant player. He can dominate. That's already happening now. Finch said after the game that the coaching staff is pushing him to be more selfish about pursuing that type of dominance. Here's Finch. Did you talk to Ant about being more aggressive pregame, or do you think he had it in his head with D'Lo out, like, I need to be more aggressive, or is there any correlation there? Um, you know, we talked to him yesterday. You know, talked to him yesterday. We, um, coaching staff, you know, talked with him about trying to, you know, be a little bit more dominant when you can be dominant, you know, when those moments come, just try to, to dominate a little bit more. Um, when he does do that, does it seem to almost take this team to a different level? Well, yeah, for sure. When you, I mean, certainly when you're making shots like he's he's making, and I thought what I really liked, you know, is going to the hoop, is finishing. He was pretty crafty. He had good patience. He drew fouls. You know, he found guys. 
you know, he did it all. And that's uh, against the drop coverage like that. You know, it's uh, takes some feel and hopefully this is a him starting to figure it out. It certainly looked like he had it figured out. Ant came up for the presser after Finch did. So he had the chance to ask him about that conversation about being more dominant. And Ant said that was actually a conversation he had with Micah Nori. And and Ant said it resonated clearly. (laughs) Clearly it did. 49 points. And I just want to like take that to point out and acknowledge Micah Nori, which is a name, you know, we certainly don't say as much as as we do Chris Finch. I mean, we we talk all the time about the culture shift with this team, and we attribute a ton of that to the newer faces in the mix, Chris Finch and Patrick Beverly. But Nori's a new face, and he's a he's a huge part of that too, changing the culture, sort of in the shadows, and also just like coaching his ass off. From what we know, like the, the Wolves figuring out a rotation that works this season with a roster of undersized players and a lot of one-way players, figuring that out, like, that's Nori. He makes the rotation chart. We talked about the high-wall defense installed that mirrors the Nuggets' defensive strategy and how that has been an awesome thing this year. Well, Nori was in Denver with Finch on that staff, too. We often attribute the success of a team, just in general, to the most noticeable characters in the story, right? In, in basketball, the head coach, the best players, the most outspoken players. But a ton of success and and cultural growth is cultivated behind closed doors, like that conversation between Ant and Nori. I mean, there's a ton of those conversations that we have no idea even happen and are extremely impactful. We, we, we don't see that stuff. But it's those type of things that can make all the difference. All right, let's mix in a quick break here. After the break, we've got a few other things I want to get to. We have the signing of Greg Monroe, which happened today. Uh, we got to talk also about the Wolves now officially being locked into the seven spot in the Western Conference standings after the Nuggets won tonight. And I also want to talk a little bit about Patrick Beverly's case for being on an all-defensive team uh, when the award voting happens next week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' six-point win over the Spurs on Thursday night. Uh, the Wolves were nearly back at full strength in terms of health for this game. D'Angelo Russell got a rest day, nursing that bilateral hamstring soreness he's dealt with this season. But other than that, everyone played, uh, including Patrick Beverly, who had missed the two previous games. And yet again, Beverly's inclusion in the lineup completely turned around the entire team's effort level. Uh, for those of you who, who listened to the show uh, after the loss to the Wizards, I, well, I don't blame you for not listening after that one. But what I did is I went through some of the the Wolves' worst losses of the season uh, this year. And I didn't mention at the time, but a commonality of many of those worst losses this season was the fact that Pat Bev missed those games. Right? Beverly was hurt for both of the losses to Orlando this year. He also missed that big letdown game in Charlotte the day after Thanksgiving. Remember, they... They beat Jimmy Butler and the Heat you know, the day before Thanksgiving, and then Charlotte was kind of a blah. And, and Beverly also missed that loss in, in Sacramento uh, right after the trade deadline when the Kings got all of their new players in the mix. He's just not been present for a lot of the lowest points of the season. I mean, Beverly's a, he's a difference maker. And Beverly was asked after the game what the difference was between tonight's performance by the team and compared to the loss to the Wizards on Tuesday. And Beverly said, I played. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it's hard to argue with that. I, I think with Beverly, the most important things about this season for the Wolves, they tie back to him, just as the biggest letdowns of the season typically don't include him. After tonight's game, Beverly articulated what some of his goals were this season, and he described, you know, what has gone into achieving those goals and ex- exceeding expectations this year. Here's Patrick Beverly. Pat, forgive me if my memory is a little foggy, but I think you were quoted as saying or before the season started that the Minnesota Timberwolves were a team that could use somebody like you. Oh. Has it gone the way you would envision by now that we're at the, almost the end of the regular season or has it gone even better? Well, how has it lived up to what you had thought it would be when you joined the team? Yeah, I had minor goals coming into the season, obviously. I wanted to win 23 games before the All-Star break. I did that. We did that. Um, I wanted to double the wins that they did last year. Uh, we did that tonight. Um, I got some more goals left out. You know, it's between me and myself and God. But uh, that's what I do. I'm a winner. I went on and off the court. Um, I impact winning. Uh, help my coaches. I help my teammates uh, to try to be the best, best version of themselves. I'm tough as fuck. You know, um, I require a lot out of everybody, the film guy, the people in the kitchen trainers, players, coaches. Uh, but I understand it takes a lot a lot of that to win basketball games. So uh, my method is very unorthodox. But uh, at the end of the day, 46 wins, it works. It has worked 
46 wins does double the Wolves' win total from a year ago, and it puts them one win away from having the same record they did during that Jimmy Butler season. I asked Kat after the game to to make the case for Patrick Beverly to be in an all-defense team when the ballots come out here in a week, and and wins was the first thing that Kat pointed to. He said, 23 wins last year, 46 wins this year. And that really is the case for Beverly, you know, because more specifically, that many of those 46 wins are a product of the Wolves' improved defense this season, which is, of course, largely influenced by Beverly. I asked Kat that, and I asked Finch about it too. I'll play Finch's answer here in a second, but I wanted to ask those questions because this afternoon before the game, I went through you know some of the numbers people typically use to determine all defense teams, you know, both traditional stats and advanced stats, and they're just there just isn't a great statistical case to be made for Beverly in terms of individual defensive metrics, uh, metrics like defensive effective plus minus view Beverly to actually only be the fourth most productive defender this season on the Wolves. If you include Josh Okogi, uh, Okogi, Vanderbilt and McDaniels in that order, grade out ahead of Beverly in defensive impact, according to that metric and in the Wolves defense also has only been slightly better with Beverly on the floor than when he's been off. Like ben, the only real defensive metric that that sticks out is the frequency with which Beverly blocks shots. He has the best block rate in the league amongst guards. But I don't think any of that in, effectively encapsulates what Beverly's defensive impact on the Wolves has been this year. He is the Wolves' defense because the Wolves' defense this season has been a culture, and Beverly is the most influential character in creating that culture, right? Like, I, I think it's pretty simple, the case for Beverly to make all defense. Maybe, maybe a, one degree more complicated than what Kat said with the, the win increase. But I think the case is just that the Wolves have been a bottom 10 defense every single year of Kat's career prior to this season, including the Jimmy Butler year. That's that's six years. I mean, it was it had become like written in stone of public opinion, the belief that the Wolves could not be an average defensive team if they started both Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But here they are, you know, 81 games into the season, and they're 13th in the league in defense. I mean, I know the Wolves' defense has been nowhere near perfect this season. I know you know I think that because I talk about it all the time. But the fact that they are an above-average defensive team this season after never even sniffing that any time in the previous six seasons, I mean... That's Patrick Beverly. Here's Chris Finch on the impact of Beverly, the impact Beverly has had on the Wolves' defense this season. Chris, the uh, the all the, the the awards are are due um, at the end of this week, obviously, and uh, Patrick will be in the conversation certainly for yeah. all defense. His stats speak for for themselves, but sure. I think you could probably articulate well the, the impact that he's had yeah. on, on this team defensively. How would you go about doing that? Well, I think the other night was a classic uh, and clear example. Um, just the him being able to set the tone, um, containing the ball. Um, Get her tickets. Set out to be a, a ball pressure team this year. He was, you know, instrumental in that. Um, we don't know. We haven't always done it, you know, but he's um, – Set, you know, he, he's basically, you know, kind of has created that. You know, if you guys pressuring the ball hard, everybody else has to play defense a little harder too. You know, so it's, so anyway, yeah, he and he's smart. You know, he's, he saw his impact. 
in Denver, just as, you know, get with his steals and is just has great feel and having coached offense a lot at, you know, for most of my career, I always give great offensive players a lot of freedom. But I've also learned that you got to give great defensive players a lot of freedom too, like freedom to, you know, like they got to guard some of these people, some of these players, some of this action. So whatever might work for whatever you want from a game plan team uh, scheme may not be what they want to do because they might be comfortable doing something else. So you just have to trust them. So he's one of those guys, you know, I was like, I had Drew Holiday in, in, in New Orleans and, I really learned watching Drew that that's how you have to let these guys operate. So, And then I would imagine there's been like a, a sponge effect. I, you can argue that Carl and D'Angelo yeah. and Anthony are having their best defensive years. They are probably mm-hmm. down, down the roster there too. I, I'm sure that's something that you've seen over the course of the season, the impact of Patrick on, yes. on those guys, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it starts with caring, you know, valuing that end of the floor, caring about being good there. Um, and then Patrick's also, you know, has a, he studies the game. He watches a lot of film. He knows, knows the players in the league. He'll share the information about, you know, individual player tendencies with their guys. Um, they have a kind of a tech chain, text chain that they, they, they operate on, you know, usually goes out the night before and he'll be telling people, you know, what, what his experience was with guarding certain guys. So. I don't know how else to put it other than how Finch did at the end there. Pat Bev made defense happen by caring about it. And that has undeniably trickled down the Wolves roster. Pat was asked about that text chain that Finch just mentioned there. And he and what Pat said was his personal trainer, Aaron Miller, who isn't a Wolves employee, he, he puts together a full scout for Beverly of every opponent the Wolves are going to play before every game. And Pat Bev takes that information and shares it with the other guys on the team, which seems Maybe a bit unorthodox, but that's what Pat Bev is. Pat Bev is uh, Aaron Miller. That that his trainer has has low key then been another behind the scenes influencer of this team. I mean, clearly in that scout work he does for Pat, but Miller is also Jared Vanderbilt's personal trainer. A lot of Vanderbilt's growth from last season to this one can be attributed to Miller. I mean, Aaron Miller might not be one of the biggest name trainers right now. We you know we hear a ton about guys like. Drew Hanlon and Chris Brickley and those guys. But Miller, he has a small little stable of guys, too. And ironically, another one of Miller's guys is Greg Monroe. So he now apparently is the personal trainer of 20% of the the Wolves roster after the Wolves did sign Greg Monroe for the rest of the season today. Uh, Monroe, he didn't get into the game tonight, but I, I think I would expect him to get some run on Sunday against Chicago. And, and Monroe will be with the Wolves through the playoffs. He is playoff eligible and will be the Wolves' third big in the playoffs. Because Nate Knight is on a two-way contract, the last game he will be eligible to play in this season is Sunday against Chicago. Not Knight will not be playoff eligible due to the nature of how two-way contracts work. So it will be Monroe. And I think, I think there are definitely opponents in the playoffs that Monroe could get some real run against. And probably not the Clippers in the play-in game because the Clips, you know, they only play one traditional big at a time in Zubats or Hartenstein. But if the Wolves do win that play-in game, they will be the seventh seed, and that means a matchup with Memphis in the first round. And that's that's an opponent that Monroe's size could be used against. You know, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark. Like, the Wolves will need front court help against those guys, particularly if Cat gets in foul trouble any of those games. I mean, Memphis is not 
a good matchup for Nas Reed. So I, I, I think the signing is a very wise move by the Wolves, if not maybe a little bit tardy. But it was only tardy because the Wolves wanted to wait around for Monroe, who has at least had some familiarity here rather than, you know, just going out and signing a different big from the open market. I mean, it's crazy to say, but I think I think Monroe could have a real impact on the playoffs for the Wolves this season. And even though Monroe didn't play tonight, I'm going to make him tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game uh, presented by Forgotten Star Brewery simply because Monroe has been, in a weird way, a forgotten uh, part of this team over the past few months. But he very much is a part of this team now. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him uh, hopefully get some run on Sunday in the season finale. And as always, a reminder, check out Forgotten Star Brewery. Um, go out there this spring, summer. Forgotten Star has been kind enough to, to be a par- partner of this show. They've hosted uh, watch parties, live shows for us. So if you're looking for a new brewery to check out, I do recommend checking out Forgotten Star in Fridley. All right, let's wrap this one up with some prize picks. I went two and two on my four prize picks tonight. I took the under on seven and a half points for Jared Vanderbilt and the under on seven and a half rebounds for Vanderbilt. I was just kind of thinking with McDaniels back in the mix and the season winding down, I thought this might be one of those games where Vando plays like 20 minutes sort of to preserve him. But Vanderbilt played played really well, played 33 minutes, which was actually the most minutes he's played in a game in a month. And yeah, again, really looked awesome in those minutes. It was back to like some of those instances of that sort of heroic version of Vanderbilt where he just flies in to take the ball away from the other team. And and to see those type of plays from Vanderbilt, those are reminiscent of the beginning of the season. That's very encouraging because this team, if they're going to play him, that's what they need Vanderbilt to be. He did pull in nine rebounds tonight, so I missed the under on that one, but he finished with just six points. So we got that one, one and one on the Vanderbilt picks. I also took the under on 41 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Cat. Again, Similarly thinking, this might not be a game where Finch places starters the full complement of their minutes, but Cat, I was wrong about that. Cat also played 33 minutes, and you know, with Ant taking the scoring lead, Cat didn't have to score a ton himself, so he just finished with 21 points, 13 rebounds, and three assists. So we did get the under there correct as well. And my last pick was Devin Vassell. I took the over on 23 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Vassell. And Vassell did kind of fill it up scoring. He was the Spurs' second leading scorer with 18 points, but he only had two boards and zero assists. So we did miss uh, the over on 23 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Vassell. Uh, overall, that's two on two on the night. That puts me at 165, 154, and 10 on the season. I don't know what'll happen in the playoffs. Maybe I'll go below 500, but I think this. Locks me in over 500 on my prize picks for the regular season with just the one game to go. And of course, if you're looking to get in on prize picks for the playoffs, now's the time. Prize picks will throw you a $100 sign up bonus if you create an account at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app using the promo code Dane. That's promo code Dane at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. Well, guys, it's uh, it's official. The, the Wolves are going to be the seventh seed in the play-in tournament. Uh, their hopes of getting the sixth seed, obviously, were shut down tonight uh, with Denver beating Memphis. The Nuggets locked down the sixth seed 
Uh, the six seed at a minimum, I think they're still toiling between the five and the six with Utah. But the Wolves will officially now be in the play-in game against the Clippers, the 7-8 play-in game. I'm not going to rattle off any opinions on that series uh, right now. I'm going to save that for my episode tomorrow with Britt Robson. We'll get into what that matchup might look like, and I'm I'm sure Britt and I will also talk about Ant's big night, amongst other things that have sort of come together here at the end of the regular season for the Wolves. So that's up next. Britt and I will be in your podcast feed. That'll probably publish sometime early Friday evening. Then we'll move on to the final game of the season um, against Chicago on Sunday night. And then it's the play-in on Tuesday. Los Angeles Clippers come to town. Uh, can't wait for it. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow with Britt. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.